welcome to this edition of the Alabama Historical Association's podcast program. I'm your host, Marty Olaf, and I talk with people who conduct interesting research and do interesting things concerning Alabama history. You can find out more about the Alabama Historical Association, a membership organization devoted to Alabama history, by pointing your browser at our website, www.alabamahistory.net. My guest today is Dr. Dan Hallman, co-winner of the Milo B. Howard Award given by the Alabama Historical Association for the best article in the Alabama Review over the previous two years. Dan's article is entitled, The Tuskegee Airmen and the Never Lost a Bomber Myth in the January 2011 issue. Dan, thanks for joining us today. Why don't you tell us about this article and uh, about your motivation for writing it? I sure will. The article, The Tuskegee Airmen and the Never Lost the Bomber Myth, really grew out of uh, another paper that I had written about the Tuskegee Airmen back in uh, 2006. That article was about the aerial victory credits of the Tuskegee Airmen. And in the course of writing that article, I looked at a lot of primary source documents in the histories of the Tuskegee Airmen, the 332nd Fighter Group in particular, and also the narrative mission report, the daily mission report of the 332nd Fighter Group. And in the process of finding information about the aerial victory credit, I also found evidence that sometimes bombers under Tuskegee Airmen escort were shot down by enemy aircraft. I knew that that contradicted a long-standing claim that the Tuskegee Airmen had never lost the bomber that they escorted to enemy aircraft. So I included that at the end of my paper about the aerial victory credit, but that wasn't the focus of the article. The focus of the article was on the aerial victory credit of the Tuskegee Airmen and not on the uh, bomber losses they might experience. However, the, the next year, really at the end of 2006, a reporter from the Montgomery Advertiser named Al Benton wanted to ask me about the evidence I had found about bombers being shot down by enemy aircraft while those bombers were under Tuskegee Air Escort. So I shared the same information with him that I included in my original paper. I had become aware of another historian who had come to the same conclusion. I and that other historian was uh, William Holton, H-O-L-T-O-N. And William Holton still is living. He's uh, a black veteran of World War II who had been in the Navy. He had served as the historian of the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated from 1997 to 2007. I didn't know about his research, and he didn't know about my research, but because we were looking at the same document, we had come to the same conclusion that there is evidence that bombers under the escort of the Tuskegee Airmen were shot down by enemy aircraft at various times. In early 2007, because the question was still very controversial, and because I knew that there were was a delegation from the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated who would be coming to the agency to do research into that very question, I was asked to be available to share with them my own research. I looked further than I had before. The Barrett mission report of the bomber groups that the Tuskegee Airmen escorted at times and places where they were escorted 
also a missing aircrew report. Then after that additional research, I obtained even a firmer conclusion that, yes, bombers under escort had down by the aircraft. I could even figure out how many bombers and which mission. When I finally finished all that research, looking at every mission report, looking at the bomber group mission report for certain days, and looking at the missing aircraft report, they list very detailed information. Plane that went down, the serial number of the plane, how the plane went down, whether it was shot down by enemy aircraft or lost through some other means, and other information such as when it went down and where it went down. With that kind of information, I could put the documents together and figure out conclusively not only whether bombers had been shot down under Tuskegee Air Escort, but also when where it happened. So the paper I wrote for which I received the award, was a summary of my research and of the controversy over the years. I went back to the origin of the claim, where the claim probably came from, probably originated in a couple of press articles in March of 1945, one in Liberty Magazine and one in the Chicago Defender newspaper that made the claim that bombers had not been shot down under Tuskegee Air Escort. Then I tracked down to see when the first bombers were lost, how many bombers were lost altogether. And I included in the article not only mention of my research, but also a reference to Bill Holton's research, because he was looking at the 332nd Fighter Group Air Mission reports. Having written your 2006 article, what kind of reaction did you get to busting this myth? Well, I didn't get a lot of direct personal reaction, the reaction was more from indirect sources. In the newspaper articles, and in, uh, if you Google the subject, you would see some, some uh, reaction. But personally, I didn't get much negative reaction, but I was aware of some negative reaction. And I worked with three of the Tuskegee Airmen, original Tuskegee Airmen, who came to the Air Force Historical Research Agency in early 2007 because they were on a committee to investigate the number of bombers lost. We worked together, and I asked to attend the Tuskegee Airmen National Convention in 2007, and so I was able to go to that convention. It was in Grapevine, Texas that year, and I met many of the other original Tuskegee Airmen, besides the ones I had already met of them, but I met many more of them at the convention. And I met the president of the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated, and he introduced me to the members of the convention, including many of the original Tuskegee Airmen. And when he introduced me and, and uh, explained who I was and that I represented the Air Force Historical Research Agency and was working with their committee on the Never Lost the Bomber question, then he asked me to stand, and there was uh, complete silence. But I went to a subsequent Tuskegee Airmen National Conventions in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, five Tuskegee Airmen National Conventions in a row. And in the course of those years, I've become friends with more and more of the, not only the original Tuskegee Airmen, but Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated members. And I was introduced at, at least the next two conventions, uh, 
with the same introduction that I was representing the Air Force Historical Research Agency, where we had a lot of the original Tuskegee Airmen documents from World War II, and that I was sharing my research and those documents with the members of the committee from the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated. And every time I was introduced after that, there was a pause. So I think the research gradually was accepted, and the members of the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated Committee, the Harry A. Shepard Research Committee, came to the same conclusion after they did their research. It was consistent with mine, and the conclusion was finally approved by the convention in San Antonio in 2010. The National Convention of the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated voted on a resolution regarding the Never Lost a Bomber question. In effect, it was recognizing that, yes, sometimes there were missions when Tuskegee Airmen escorted bombers were shot down by enemy air. It did recognize that the Never Lost a Bomber claim was false. Now, you, you say that you have come to a conclusion about the number of bombers that have been lost. Uh, do you have that number? Uh, 27. 27. And how many uh, bombers did they escort? Uh, that is, what kind of percentage are we talking here? Well, I didn't figure the number of bombers they escorted o- over the course of all the missions, but I can tell you this, that of the 311 missions that Tuskegee Airmen flew for the 15th Air Force, the one that had the heavy bombers, B-17s and B-24s, 179 of those 311 missions were bomber escort missions. And of those 179 bomber escort missions that the 332nd Fighter Group flew, only seven of them experienced bomber losses to enemy aircraft. So seven missions out of 179 bomber escort missions uh, is a pretty low number. They didn't lose bombers on many missions. And about half of those bombers were lost on a single mission on July 18, 1944, the disastrous mission. And if you compare the total number of bombers lost by the uh, 332nd Fighter Group, which was 27, with the average number lost by other fighter groups in the 15th Air Force, uh, it, the average number lost was 46. So the Tuskegee Airmen apparently lost fewer bombers than the average fighter group in the 15th Air Force, considerably fewer. This is fascinating. Has uh, the agency received more interest in the particular collections that you've been working in since you've been publishing? Uh, Yes, uh, we have. There's been a lot of interest in the Tuskegee Airmen, partly because of a movie that was released this year. Many people were aware that the movie was going to be released. uh, The movie is the George Lucas movie called Red Tails. Same time that George Lucas was producing the movie Red Tails, he was also producing a documentary called Double Victory. Double Victory was more factual than Red Tails. Red Tails was a fictionalized story that was inspired by true events but didn't claim to be a documentary. Double Victory was made primarily for television, but it's a documentary and it's a lot more factual. It uh, really just explains the history of the Tuskegee Airmen. And we worked, the Air Force Historical Research Agency worked with the producers of both of those George Lucas movies to help make them a little more accurate than they otherwise might have been. So our names, three of the persons who work at the Air Force Historical Research Agency, 
myself and Joseph Paver and Barry Spink, our names are in the credit at the end uh, under technical advisors and under advisors. I'll look for that when I see the movie. You've had some experience working with New South Press. Tell us what's going on there. New South Books published a book by Joseph Caper and Jerome Ennels and myself about the Tuskegee Airmen. It's called The Tuskegee Airmen and Illustrated History, 1839 to 1949. And that was published by New South Books in 2011. And it's a hardcover book with photographs. It sold so many copies that it's already in its second printing. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. I think one of the reasons why there's so much interest in it is because of the Red Tails movie. The, the book helped the movie, and the movie helped the book. Well, sure. <laughs> but there were other New South publications based on my research, and one of them was a reprint, the Alabama Historical Association article that uh -huh. I wrote, The Tuskegee Airmen and the Never Lost a Bomber Myth, was republished with permission from the editor of the Alabama Review as an e-book. But there's another book that was published not only as an e-book, but also on paper called Eleven Myths About Tuskegee Airmen. And that one includes the Never Lost the Bomber myth, but it also includes some others. Right. What, what were some of those other myths, a couple or three that you think are most important? Okay. Well, the first is the original myth about the Tuskegee Airmen, about black pilots, was that they... Uh, would not be able to perform well, and they busted right. that myth themselves by their outstanding performance in World War II. They performed very well. But there's some other myths. Probably the most ubiquitous myth besides the Never Lost Bomber one was the myth that one of the Tuskegee Airmen was an ace, and that because of racism, he wasn't recognized as an ace, and one of his credits was taken away or reduced. There's no evidence at all in the documents to confirm that. Uh, the documents show clearly every one of his claims, and the documents were written by the Tuskegee Airmen themselves. Right. So there would have been no reason for them to take away a credit from one of their own members. The documents show that Lee Archer, who sometimes is said to be an ace, claimed one credit on July 18th to a shot on one enemy aircraft on July 18, 1944, and three others on October 12, 1944. Hmm. Those are the only claims that he made during World War II. And for each one of those claims, the Victory Credit Board decided to award credit, and he received credit for every claim he made. He made four claims. He received four credits. The criteria for being an ace is five. Right. So he had four credits. And the story that he had five and one was taken away or reduced by half is just not uh, based on any documentation that we can find. Well, and hence the importance of the documentation is to get at the accuracy, reliability, and validity of any uh, uh, thesis or claims that are laid out. Right. We don't even have a date uh, where he might have gotten another credit because when we look at all the claims and all the narrative mission reports and all of the histories of the 332nd Fighter Group itself, we see the claims, and we see the credits that were awarded by the 12th Air Force and 15th Air Force, and uh, there's absolutely no evidence at all that Lee Archer claimed any more than four, or that he ever received any more credit than four. Right, right. So, so he got uh, all the credit he, he claimed. He claimed, right, right. 
Well, Dan, I want to thank you for um, speaking with me today. This is Marty Olaf, and this is the AHA podcast series. I'm speaking today with Dr. Dan Hallman, co-winner of the 2012 Milo B. Howard Award, given by the AHA for the best article in the Alabama Review over the previous two years. Thanks again, Dan. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. This has been another edition of the Alabama Historical Association podcast program. Our music is the traditional tune, Whistle By, performed at City Stages in 1996 by James Bryan and Carl Jones. It's provided courtesy of the Alabama Folklife Association, which you can find on the web at alabamafolklife.org.